August 17, 2023. We're in Masechet If you count from the bottom of the Amud up, it's six lines up, basically in the middle of the line where it says Epuch. Now, if you recall, the Gemara is in the midst of talking about, it, it zoned out, as we explained it, to talk about the broader issue that was really at stake, at play, in the more narrow issue that we were addressing, and that is whether there's Berera or not. Now, the narrow issue, which we'll return to in a bit, was talking about the laws of Tehumin, and we got into, while we were talking about the laws of Tehumin and Eruv Tehumin, we talked about the concept that a person can, at a later stage, have a thought, have a designation, which will affect retroactively what was done initially. And uh, the Gemara, after addressing that in the context of Tehumin, again zoned out and said, May ala. So what's the halakha in general? In the many cases that we'll find and come across in halakha, what's the halakha? Is there berera or is there not berera? Do we have this retroactive vision of law that I can affect what took place then? And of course, when it comes to Yom Tov, it's easiest to understand this because you have that critical hour entering into the day of Yom Tov. Ben Hashem Ashot. What's the status of X, Y, or Z? Now, if my mindset later on can affect what it was then, that's berera. That's really what you're dealing with in the Tehumin. But we had other cases. We had the case of Tuman Tahara by Sof Tuman Latzit. We had a Mahloket the Gemara presented between Rabbi Hosha'aya and Rabbi Yohanan as to whether in general we maintain berera or not, I should just say, autobiographically, when I applied for the higher level Kolel in Yeshiva University. So what Rabbi Herschel Schachter, he, he would ask questions, I'll say the Aleph Bet, to make you feel very stupid and very lowly, I'm just asking, I'll say the Aleph Bet. So there would be in-depth questions. So you know, you didn't get past the Dalit until you started saying, I don't know the answer to any of your questions. But with me, the Bet was Berera. And he asked me some pointed questions about Berera. Now you have to understand what the interview, what, the, what, the, what it was really all about was he was asking you questions from anywhere and everywhere on specific broad-reaching issues, but you were supposed to know the details, so you were supposed to be familiar with some of the principles of this sugya. Anyway, so the Gemara then uh, said that there's a mahluk between Biyohanan and Biyohoshaya about whether yesh berera or not. The Gemara thought that Rabbi Hoshaya said yesh berera and Rabbi Yohanan said en berera. The Gemara had a question on Rabbi Hoshaya. We finished the class with this yesterday and it said it seems clear that Rabbi Hoshaya maintains in Berera, therefore, suggested the Gemara, and we'll pick up with this, right in the middle of that six lines from the bottom uh, line, it says, Epuch, rather we're going to flip what we said initially. Rabbi Hoshaya Amar in Berera, Rabbi Yohanan Amar Yesh Berera. The opinions are flipped uh, from what we had it originally. Rabbi Hoshaya maintains in Berera, no retroactive vision and reality. Rabbi Yohanan alternatively says, Yesh Berera, says the Gemara, you think you got away with this? It may have helped you in Rabbi Hoshaya that we mentioned earlier. Now you'll be able to maintain that he says, in Berera, but Rabbi Yohanan, he said something separately, reported in his name, which makes clear he's not so comfortable. He doesn't actually see Berera as the halachic reality. Umi it le, le Rabbi Yohanan Berera. It means yesh. Uh, does Rabbi Yohanan really have this concept of Berera? You just presented that it's a dispute. You fixed it up and you told me Rabbi Yohanan maintains yesh berera. I have a clear statement of Rabbi Yohanan, which I'm about to cite, which will prove to you he doesn't retroactively uh, change reality. How so? 
שחילקו או שחלקו לקוחותן ומחזירים זה לזה ביובל. Period. That short statement of Rabbi Yochanan proves to us that his opinion is en berera. It goes like this. We're talking about Ahim. Ahim, of course, means brothers, literal brothers, brothers whose father passed away. The inheritance is passed over to them, but it wasn't divided by the father. So there's $100,000, $500,000 of assets, of, of, of property, handed over to the children in actual property, in actual land. And they, in turn, have to divide it. Coming together, maybe with the help, with the assistance of the Beit Din, they make a division. You got that land, I get this land. Shalom al Yisrael, everybody walks away, hopefully happy. However, the Yovel year, every 50 years, uh, well, that year arrives. What's the status at this point? So what's the question? Well, the Torah tells us that when it comes to Yovel every 50 years, if I bought a land from you, <coughs> that land returns to your inheritance with regards to your family. In other words, the Torah is very strict about this. The land was divided, Eres Kenan, we're referring to Eres Israel, and in turn, even though I sold it to you, every 50 years it gets restored to its origins. There's something to be said for that on many levels. You have to question it in terms of commercial, uh, you know, moving things forward, but in terms of having a real basis and grounding in tradition, the land of Israel will always have that the Torah presents to us. That's when, again, it was my inheritance. Now let's fast forward it, also let's review that case one more time. Avi Harari has his inherited land and he sells it to Eli Boganim. Eli Boganim holds on to it for some 30 years. Yovel year approaches. Avi Harari's de- descendants, maybe he's not around any longer, whatever, knock on the door of Eli Boganim and say, the land is ours. I, mean, I bought it fair and square 30 years ago. It goes back to the Harari family. It's an inherited land. That's case number one. Case number two over here is our situation. It's brothers inherited land from dad. However, the question now in terms of dividing the land is, well, which one of them is the rightful owner of this land? Technically speaking, it's in the Harari family. But is it Avi's or is it Dani's or is it David's? Those are my brother's names. In other words, we divided it. So maybe you'll state we divided it fair and square. So to speak, we went back retroactively into dad's mind, into the family's inheritance, and we plugged in. This 33.3% which went to Avi is his from the beginning. No need for Yovel to take effect. It's mine, the 33.3 to the other brother and so forth. So says, says Rabbi Yohanan, it's not so. Harehen kilekuhot, lakahat means to purchase. Even though this land fell to me and my brother, my brothers, in inheritance, the fact that we divided it afterwards, rightfully so, means that we envision the land we're holding on to as land which we bought. We didn't pay any money for this, but it has the status of land that we bought. And therefore, every Yovel, every 50 years, that land goes back. It gets restored to its origins, to dad, to the family. And then we'd look at one another and we said, but we need land, don't we? Okay, let's divide it again. In other words, we don't shift the reality, says Rabbi Yohanan, in a circumstance where the brothers divided after the death of the father. We rather keep it in its original state, and as a result, Yovel won't give it to another family, but give it to us. Now, that's going to be the case. Uh, there's, there's something reassuring about Rabbi Yohanan as well. It means that the grandchildren will always have an equal stake at this land. But again, what we then understand from Rabbi Yohanan, aside from philosophical implications, 
is realistically, according to Rabbi Yochanan, he's telling us, in Berera. Why is there no Berera? Why couldn't, why shouldn't we see the land that I took as, well, it was always mine. It wasn't always yours, it was dad's yesterday. Right, but now that me and my brothers determined this is the land that fell to me, it means, let's go back into dad's mindset while he was alive and he was giving it to me. Was he really? That doesn't matter. What does matter is that he's bestowing this to me in the present, which retroactively means it was always mine. The fact that Rabbi Yohanan says, you have to redo the whole deal every 50 years, seems to tell us that he maintains in Berera. Go ahead. Dad could have divided it. Jeffrey says that in this circumstance, um, it may, you see, but it works against the logic you were advancing yesterday. He says over here, since the father couldn't and didn't divide it during his life, as it says, so, so in this circumstance, maybe we should be more retroactive, or maybe that's why we're less retroactive. He suggests that's why we're less retroactive. It's hard to, if not impossible, to get into dad's head because dad couldn't have that head. Okay, so take that out of it. Talk about the halachic reality, the reality of whose land this was at that time. The halachic reality is whoever the generations are at that time, it's, it's, a, it's a, the formula and how it's like. Okay, and that's really what we're doing. The only thing we're doing, there's a formula in terms of amounts. But which land is your? You're the older one. You're going to get double. All right, you took from that land. I took. We couldn't have foreseen that per se. The suggestion is we should go backwards and say that. So that's what I'm saying. So keep dad out of it. Put put a halacha into it or whatever reality into it. And clearly, we're not doing so. What you can suggest? Okay, that's that's what the Gemara then. That's what the Gemara now challenges. We now have found nobody seemingly who maintains yesh berera. We said my Allah, This is the way we started the class today. I told you the Gemara questioned. What's the halacha? Mahloket dispute. Rabbi Hoshaya and Rabbi Yochanan. One of them holds en berera. The other one holds yesh berera. We thought Rabbi Hoshaya said yesh berera. We had a question on that yesterday. So, okay, it must have been Rabbi Yochanan who holds yesh berera. We have a question on that. Who holds yesh berera? Says the Gemara. Perhaps vechitema kiletle Rabbi Yochanan berera b'deoraita. Suggests the Gemara, maybe Rabbi Yohanan indeed maintains Yesh Berera. What's Berera again? Retroactively affecting reality in the past. He maintains so by rabbinic law. By biblical deoraita law, that's where he's more mahmir. He doesn't have berera. What's the difference? Well, first and foremost, what's the difference in our realities of cases? Rabbi Yochanan, when you're dealing with inheritance, that's what we call deoraita. That's a biblical mandate. That's a biblical reality. Over there, in berera. Too clever, too creative. The Torah, we need to be mahmiran. We won't go backwards in time to affect reality. In our situation, when we're dealing with the tehumin, the exit from the city and the clothing or the, uh, the animal rather and the uh, wine and uh, all those sorts of circumstances where it's talking about how far you can travel, how far they can go with you, that's rabbinic in nature. We did know, we did note that the Gemara in Sota and Daflamid Amudbet presents this as a mahlok between Rabbi Akiva and Hachamim about whether tehumin are from the Torah or not, but we maintain and generally assume tehumin are dirabanan. So the Gemara then is stating that maybe Rabbi Yochanan, you have a proof that he holds en berera. That's on the oraita, that's on inheritance. But maybe by our issue he would say that there is berera. So the Gemara, I still have a proof that you 
don't have Berera, even according to Rabbi Yohanan, even in the context of Eruve Tehumin. I know it's a little confusing, I know it's a little uh, detailed over here, but uh, just a bit more, just keep in mind in it a bit more with regards to the Biohanan Berera in Tehumin, in the Eruv uh, circumstance that we've been addressing. So as the Gemara Ubidera Banan Mi'itle, that's a question mark at the end, does the Biohanan even have the concept of Berera within the conversation about a rabbinic law, i.e., Tehumin, which is what we wanted to apply it to in our sugya, vehatane ayo. That didn't, don't we, have a beraita in the name of ayo. Ayo was the name of a rabbi, apparently. He reported in turn, Rabbi Huda Omer, the statement of Rabbi Huda. So this is ayo in the name of Rabbi Huda. Of course, we're going to need to find Rabbi Yohanan in the context of this. He's going to be the primary opinion that we need to deal with. Rabbi Yohanan is post. Mishnah, though, post uh, Beraita, so we'll see his comment. But here's the circumstance. The situation is it's entering into the holiday, and you heard or you know that there's a scholar, there's a rabbi, there's someone that you want to hear uh, speak coming on the holiday. Now we have several circumstances. Either you don't know, well, let's, let's, let's present this as simply as possible for our purposes right now. You don't know from which direction this rabbi is going to come. You don't know if he's coming from the north or from the south. You do know that when he comes, he's going to go to the Beit Midrash outside of the city. So there's going to be more than 2,000 amah outside of the city. As a result, you're a little bit stuck. Uh, if he comes to the north, so I'll leave my Eruv Tehomin 2,000 amah outside of the city, and I'll get an extra 2,000 amah so I could go to the Beit Midrash where that rabbi, that scholar is speaking. If he's coming to the south, I could do the same thing. I'm uncertain which side he's coming from. So what the Mishnah describes in Masechet Eruvin, the possibility of doing is, I'll make a conditional uh, it's not that, as someone asked yesterday, I put on both sides. I didn't put on both sides and they're both effective. I put on both sides and I put them conditionally on both sides. So one to the north and one to the south. And I say to myself, maybe even out loud, if the rabbi comes from the north, so that Eruv is the real one. This one, uh, anyone can enjoy. It's not, not my, if he comes from the south, alternatively, so then that's my primary one. You're making it for yourself so that you're there to hear the rabbi speak. Right? In other words, you're, you're setting yourself, this is my residence on the holiday, so that I can go an extra 2,000 amah. Why is that affected by where he's coming from? Well, I only, the only reason I want to be there is, because, is to hear the rabbi. Understood, but why does his destination have anything to do with me? I'm allowed to go 2,000 amah. He's going to be visiting more than 2,000 amah outside of the city. He's going to be visiting 4,000 amah down the Jersey Shore. Okay. Right? I want to hear him. Right. Now, I don't know if he's coming that way or that way, if it's north or if it's south. I'm not certain which way he's coming. But I do know he's coming. And I do know there's a Beit Midrash in that direction, there's a Beit Midrash, there's a synagogue in that direction. I don't know which one he's coming to. They're both outside of my tehum. So what I want to do is I want to leave my eruv in each one of those directions to extend my tahum in both directions. Can't do that. You can only extend it in one direction. What I can do, the Mishnah says, is stipulate. If he comes in this direction, this is it. If he comes in that direction, this is the real one. That's uh, stage number one. Stage number two is, what if you heard 
you know it's, um, I don't know, Lakewood Shabbat, it's uh, Yerushalayim Shabbat, there are rabbis coming from everywhere. And so you would say, oh, this is exciting, I'll take my uh, choice. I'll speak to the guys in Knis on Shabbat, find out who the more exciting rabbi for me is. So you leave in both directions, it's not that you're uncertain which side he's coming from, per se, it's you're not sure which one you want to go to. Two different ideas, two different rabbis um, coming from two different directions. Other type of situation that we're dealing with. Against halacha? Against halacha? You know, are you going to tell me so I could uh, fly on Shabbat because I want to. Anyway, says the Gemara over here, so let's, let's see what happened over here. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, En Adam Matne Al Shene Devarim Kehad. As says Rabbi Uda, a person cannot be matne, cannot make a condition, a stipulation, on two things, it means over here two people, ke'ehad at once. In other words, the second of the two cases that I just mentioned to you, Rabbi Uda for some reason says inappropriate. You're talking about either that rabbi or this rabbi, and I'll decide accordingly that you can't make this sort of condition. Is something physical he has to put like a marker? Yeah, he needs to put two meals in that place. Okay. So in, ultimately speaking, in these, all these cases, he's putting four meals, two so and two. All, prior, all, prior to the mm-hmm. prior to all before Ben Hashem um, so that again, he's designated, that's what's called the Eruf Tehumin. So he can't, says Rabbi Huda for some reason or another, he can't, if it's dependent upon either this rabbi or that rabbi, no condition is appropriate. Ela, im bahacham lemizrach, eruvo lemizrach, on ma'arav, eruvo ma'arav. Uh, so the statement alternatively of Rabbi Uda, when it is okay is, I'm talking about one person coming, if he comes from the east, this is my eruv, if he comes from the west, that is my eruv, that's appropriate. Again, not fully isn't clear, it, go ahead. No, no, one or the other. Correct. I'm putting two eruvin. If it comes from the west, that's my eruv. Comes from the east, that's my eruv. That's that. That's. But again, I'm stipulating about one person. That Rabbi Huda says is okay. If I'm stipulating about, I'll either go to him or to him. For some reason, that's a problem, right? Um, so it says. Now you're, you're sort of, the other one was you're not sure where he's coming from. Now you're picking, you're making a decision. Says the Gemara, I hear you, all right, give, give it a moment. The Gemara, however, um, Alan's questions, it says, I don't really understand the distinction, the difference between these. If I maintain yesh berera, which means retroactively, I go back in time to the entrance of the holiday and I say, that was the one I'm determining right now was my primary eruv. So then why should we distinguish? Ultimately speaking, you're giving me the power on the holiday to determine what was going to be, and in turn then was, my second residence or my real residence. That's what the Eruv Tehomin is really all about. Why does it matter if I'm being dependent upon two or upon one? I take a look, for example, at the top of, top of the page in Rashi, the Havinamba, the Kasalka Da'atin. Our understanding at this point is Zimnin de Hakam Loba Adla Had Ben Hashemashot. Rashi is trying to pinpoint for us in what circumstance, under what situations, do you not know how and where the rabbi is coming from? 
so Rashi conjures up a, a few circumstances. Uh, he, he, he thinks of two situations. Well, take a look at them. Kigon uh, For example, it might be that the hacham, you laid your eruv techumin before Ben Hashem, before that twilight time entering into the holiday. But the rabbi who's coming, he is within proximity of that Beit Midrash during that time. You're allowed to walk into that place during that time. So he walks into the Tehoma of where he's going to during Ben Hashem Ashot, but you could not at this point leave your Eruv Tehomin, so you left it beforehand, not knowing whether he was going to actually make it into that place. One of two examples of Rashi. But it's but the, the Beit Midrash of his is more than 4,000 4, Amah from where you are. It, he has it, you don't. But the point is, he only steps into there beforehand. All right, Rashi gets, gets into a more complicated situation where he sees something at a distance. It's a law in the context of Eruv Tehomin, and he can determine based on that. Tosafot disputes this. But ultimately speaking, what we're dealing with is a situation, again, for, for simplicity reasons, uh, which are difficult even without those details, what we're dealing with is a situation of potential berera. Berera meaning I want to retroactively determine this is my eruv tehomin when I laid two before the holiday, uh, before Shabbat, and in turn we're being told, well, sometimes it works, other times it doesn't. Why not? Answers the Gemara, ve'amar rabbi Yohanan, Ukvar Bahacham. Rabbi Yohanan saves the day by explaining here's the way it works. No berera. Stage one. What does no berera mean? No retroactive activity. No turning back the clock and determining here's the way it was originally. No, sir. Oh, what are you talking about? You told me that I could leave one in to the east and the other one to the west. And if the rabbi comes from there, comes out, that's what you told me. It's okay. Isn't that berera? Says Rabbi Yohanan, you didn't understand the case. The rabbi came before Yom Tov. You didn't know which direction the rabbi came in. So you left before Yom Tov. Again, I left my Eruv Tehamin to the east and to the west, not knowing where he is at that moment. He hasn't come at that moment. I left it on Friday morning. And it's not Shabbat yet. He comes later in the day. The word didn't reach me before the holiday. So I had a stipulation. I had a tenai on the two Eruvin. He came before Shabbat, before Yom Tov. He came, no, he came before Shabbat, before Yom Tov. Locked in. He locked in my Eruv Tehomin in whatever direction he came in. Which means to say, it's not that now that he came on the holiday, or now that I found out he came on the holiday, I lock it in retroactively. It's that it got locked in, in the moment before the holiday. I may have not known it, but he was there already. Fundamentally, though, no good, Jared, Fundamentally, what, what changed though? How does that affect the person who's allowed now to go because the rabbi came yesterday and he's in a spot and he doesn't know where he's going? It means that my it means that my eruv tehumin means that my eruv tehumin took effect based on reality, not so much based on my mind, but my mind imbued it with the power to become alive, so to speak, when the rabbi arrives. Once the rabbi arrives, even though it was without my knowledge, it was in its place at the time that he came to the east. Boom, that's my Eruv Tehomin. You 
You certainly can. That's what we made clear. That's the whole point, right? That's how we distinguished. We said, you put, if you put into the east and to the west, I'll decide which one's the better rabbi. It's not working. We said, but if you put in the east and the west and you find out the rabbi came to the east or came to the west, that one works. What's the difference? It's about no competition in the rabbis? No, no, no. It's about we never have retroactive. It's only that you weren't aware, but the rabbi came already. That's the suggestion the Gemara Tosafot does wonder. I thought you were going to jump on this one, Jeffrey, because you were on this last day or two. Tosafot does wonder that why didn't the Gemara distinguish over here that it might have something to do with the difference if, keep in mind, we were asking on the contradiction. If it's, and this is what Alan was a little bit talking about, if it's he comes to the east or he comes to the west, it works. If it's I t- I'll take that rabbi or that rabbi, it doesn't work. Listen to the difference between those two. One is dependent upon me. I'll decide that rabbi or that rabbi over there. Maybe we don't go retroactively. It means entering into the day. Your mind wasn't fully set. If it's dependent upon something or someone else, the rabbi came to the east, the abbot came to the west. I didn't know beforehand. I locked this in. I put my mind power into this. Maybe then it should work. For one reason or another, Rabbi Hanan does not answer like that. That's what Tosafot points out. We've had such thoughts in the past. You have to declare first what your intention is. Simple as that. Good. Once I've done that, though, wouldn't you assume my intention is... Okay, you're saying Rabbi Hanan says you need a full-fledged intention entering into the day. Basically, my question is, why should the reality of somebody else's reality affect my intention... So the, so the answer, the answer is, uh, maybe you're questioning why is Gilui Milta, which is really what we're talking yeah. about, any better. And the answer is quite clearly, by placing it, my intention is there. My intention is there. I, listen, we say it all the time simplistically, but we say, I do what I need to do and Borei Olam will shower down the blessing or otherwise, right? It's along those lines, it's too simplistic because what does that mean? You don't ever work overtime, you don't ever, okay, we can, we can discuss, we can understand, but what I'm saying is over here, the idea is I left my Iluf Tehumin, I put my mindset into this and my mindset, I'm done. I now have peace of mind. I'm finished. I got it all out. Uh, which one's the one that's going to take effect? But I know on Erev Yom Tov, the rabbi came and that one took effect. I put into it the ingredients for it to flower. One of them was watered and the other one wasn't. But that happened before the holiday. That's what Abi Hanan says. You can't alternatively have Bered up. That's the question then of the Gemara. So Where ab- go ahead. How did you have Bered How did the person have Bered when he was inheriting? According to the Biochanan, he did not. If you maintain yesh berera, so then you say yesh berera in all these cases as well. That's, that's what the Gemara is wondering and assuming for good reason. Again, Tosafot is pointing out we sometimes do distinguish between if it's talui b'da'atahirim or not. But we're not doing that in our sugya right now. Again, it means though we have found in the last 5, 10, 15 lines, nobody who is comfortable and accepting of the idea of berera. Because we tried with Rabbi Hoshaya, and he told us by the Tum'ah case, remember, if, if the body is going to leave one of the openings or it's not, and we had a question about that, and we thought maybe Rabbi Hoshaya will lead us to Berera, he led us against Berera. Rabbi Hoshaya told us that you don't do anything retroactively, you only do it Mikanu Lehaba. If there's something under that entrance, it's already Tameh. That was Rabbi Hoshaya's claim in Berera. We said maybe Rabbi Hanan has Berera. Well, he said, not really. The brothers who divided, no berera. Maybe Rabbi Yochanan has berera by uh, the Rabbanan, by rabbinic laws. 
Tehomin, there's no Berera. Where what's emerging is nobody holds Berera. We, we started this whole conversation. What's the halacha? This rabbi holds Yesh Berera. That rabbi holds Em Berera. Which one holds Yesh Berera? I, don't, I can't find it. Says the Gemara, Alma, three lines from the top. Alma means it's clear. Let, le, let means there is not. Uh, to him, meaning to Rabbi Yohanan, Berera, Rabbi Yohanan has no such concept. So we're really stuck. Says the Gemara. It, with what's that? No Berera by Yobel. By Deoraita, he certainly, we suggested maybe only by the Deoraita and Berera. By the Rabbanan, he does have Berera, right? By the Deoraita, remember they divided and it's going to go back on Yovel. So it's, it's no Berera when he sets the two locations, when he doesn't know where the rabbi is coming from because the rabbi is getting there before Yom Tov. That's right. So that's what you call halakhic terminology, Gilui Milta. That means it was revealed that this was the rightful Eruv. It's not that on the holiday he determined that the rabbi came before the holiday. If the rabbi didn't come before the holiday, it doesn't work, is what we're saying. That's right. So if the father said, okay, I want you to get this, you get it, you get that, then obviously it doesn't transmit to the passes. In that circumstance, if the father divided it in his lifetime, yeah, but if he but if he hands it over, the halakha is if it's a person on their deathbed, even though they don't physically do it, if they make this is the invention. Yeah, but what I'm saying is if the will is handed over on deathbed, halachically speaking, it's kemesurim v'hatumim dameh. That's the way we envision it. We envision it, we say that he would have actually handed it to the children, um, but he can't, it's on the deathbed, something along those lines. It's like uh, not be, knowing where the rabbi's going type of... No, Je- Jeffrey's on to something. But uh, regardless, that's what the Gemara does. Rather, we should not flip the opinions, which is the way we started this whole mess, because we said, oh, Rabbi Hoshaya doesn't have Berera, Rabbi Hanan must, yes, have Berera. Oh, one second. So what the Gemara now is returning us to is, Rabbi Hoshaya, whom we suggested initially, has Berera, and then we said, but we proved he doesn't. Where did we prove he doesn't? I know it's a long time ago yesterday. From the case of Tum'ah. Is the case of Tum'ah, is that halakha, halakha from the Torah or halakha from the rabbis? Doraita. Rashi told us that halakha is what's called halakha Moshe misinai. We're giving it the power, the potency of biblical law. The law of if the Tum'ah is underneath, excuse me, if something is under one of the openings. It becomes Tameh. That's the Oraita. The Gemara is now going to say Rabbi Hoshaya doesn't have Berera by Biblical, by the Oraita, like the Tuman Tahara, but he would by the Rabbanan, like Tehumin. Right? That's what the Gemara is going to do. Keep in mind what we did over here. We tried to do this in Rabbi Yohanan. We tried to say maybe Rabbi Yohanan doesn't have Berera by Biblical. What was our proof? The inheritance. But he would by the Rabbanan, by Rabbinic. We said, ah, it's not true. We have the statement that he gave us by the rabbis coming. There's no Berera there. Rabbi Yohanan clearly doesn't have any Berera. So we turned backwards to Rabbi Hoshayah and we said, we saw that you don't have Berera. Oh, one second. That was a Deoraikata case. That was Sof Tumalatzit. Rashi told us, Halachal Moshe Misinai. 
Oh, that's where you don't have it. Maybe by Derabanan, by Tehomin, you would. Ela le olam lo tepuch vechi let le. Let it be Osha'aya. Oh, interesting. His name became Osha'aya. Okay, it'll be Hosha'aya and Osha'aya gets interchanged. I guess it's like Sha'aya and Shekalo. Anyway, Ela says the Gemara le olam lo tepuch vechi let le. Let be Osha'aya berera bide oraita aval bide rabbanan itle. But when it comes to rabbinic law, Rabbi Hosha'aya, Osha'aya does have berera. The conclusion of the Gemara is that Morzutra was Doresh, Halakha is like Morzutra. This is a debate. This is a conversation. Which Halakha? That's the debate, that's the conversation. It's not fully clear. What are we referring to? We're referring to both the Deoraita and the Derabanans? Or alternatively, and this is the way we generally go, at the very least it's telling us that in the context of the Derabanan, which is really what our sugya was all about, by the Tehumin Yesh Berera. On the Deoraita, might be as well, might be as well, but we were really in this punchline only addressing on the Derabanan level, and we're saying that Halakha is like Rabbi Osha'aya on that. The Gemara has one last statement uh, specifically on these matters. Amar Shemuel, Shor Shel Patam, Harehu Keragle Koladam, Shor Shel Ro'eh, Harehu Keragle Otah Ha'ir. The circumstances, two separate situations. One is a Patam, and the other is a Ro'eh. And the circumstance and situation is that the patam, who's an individual who fattens animals for a living, fattens animals to sell them to you so that you'll slaughter and eat it. Uh, that's case number one. Case number two is a ro'e. A ro'e is a shepherd. He builds up. He maintains the status of animals. He too sometimes sells. The difference between the two, however, is... We learned about the ro'e in a different way. We talked about when you hand over to the ro'e. Over here, it's the opposite. The ro'e is selling to you on the holiday. So let me articulate it very briefly. The difference between the two is, one is the uh, Costco. One is the uh, large uh, store. Uh, the patam sells to every city, to anyone from anywhere. That's his uh, status. He's, uh, he's a, a, a global market man, uh, the uh, distributor. Uh, the other one, the ro'e, he sells within the city. He's the mom and pop shop. And as a result, the difference between the two translates to the following. If on the holiday, they transactionally, and we saw that you could, if it's for foodstuffs, remember the people in the, in the storefront selling their spices and things of that sort, right? So you can, if done right, you can transfer ownership and deal with the finances afterwards. You could sell food on the holiday. What's the halakha with regards to each of these? If they sold the animal, to, or they transferred ownership of the animal on the holiday, well, they have their status. The patam lives in Allenhurst. And as a result, if you come 4,000 amot out, how'd you come from 4,000? Out because you set the Eruf Tehumin, you live in on an ocean grove and beyond, assuming there's no land in between, and you set your Eruf Tehumin 2,000 out, so you were able to come into Allenhurst. You bought the animal from the Patam, can you go back to your home? No, you have my status. Aren't I locking you in? Isn't that what we said until now? No, the fact that I sell this, the fact that everybody knows, including me, this animal is going to be sold outside, it's going to go based on the person who purchases it. That's with regards to the fattener. What if I'm a ro'eh? What if I'm a shepherd? I only sell locally. The halakhai with regards to that is harehu kiragle otaha'ir. The status of the animal when the ro'eh sells it, since his mindset entering into the holiday, even though you came from outside, has to stay local. You're, you're, you get 
held in by the status of my animal, which I'm selling to you because my mindset entering into the day is that this animal is not going to go out, it's going to stay in. Just lastly, the Gemara is quoting this in the name of Shimuel. One second, Shimuel over here seems to be telling me, Yesh Berera. You have to be doing Berera over here because I didn't know I was going to sell it to the guy from Ocean Grove, the guy from Bradley Beach. I thought I was going to be selling it here. I didn't know who I was going to It's only now that I sold it to him, it means retroactively this animal had the status of that guy. Shimuel told us, earlier that En Berera, he's the one who told us that the Havit and the Behemah are both locked in. You can't transfer, you can't make it fancier. All right, we'll return to this, this question tomorrow that the Rishonim question and debate.